A number of years ago, there were, there were four poets, and uh, they gave us this incredible uh, verse of poetry. And I'll try and do justice, because uh, I've, I've memorized it, but I'll try and do it justice. Um, all you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love. Love is... There you go, you know it too. It's a great song. I love that song, um, obviously, by the Beatles. It, it was a song that really launched and reflected the culture of the time. Um, a significant song back then, and even still popular and significant a song um, even, even these days. But still there's a question, as good as that is, as good as those verses are, all you need is love. Yeah, but like, what is love? What is what is, that was another song, yeah. I wonder if anyone's going <laughs> to... Thank you, Annie. You noticed that. What is love? Um, but like, what is it? What, is it? what does love look like? There'll be no more song lyrics, so you don't have to worry about that. What does love look like? If all you need is love, like, what does that look like? In my lifetime, I was, I was trying to think, like, who's famous for showing love? Who, who's famous for showing care? And the person that I thought of um, that I think is probably most famous and most popular... Um, for the way that, that they showed love and care, um, was this person that's coming up on the screen um, any second now. Um, was No, next one. <laughs> the next one. There you go. I don't know if you can see that. So Princess Diana, probably in my lifetime, um, is certainly in this country, is probably most famous um, for the love and the care that she showed to people. And I think she was popular for lots of reasons. I think she was popular because in spite of who she was, she seemed to care for the outcast, didn't she? So here with um, the uh, victims of, of mines, um, accidents, those with AIDS patients, despite of who she was, despite, or, or, or in spite of um, being the Princess of Wales, she, she cared for people, didn't she? And I think that was part of her popularity. The love that she showed to people, almost kind of love out loud, uh, showed by her, but also shown by any of us. Love out loud is significant and it's powerful and all you need is love. But for people in, in church world, um, that's not a surprise because really 2,000 years, even before the Beatles, Jesus said these words, um, which will again come up on the slide, but it's in John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said these words, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That verse, John chapter 13, verse 34, is at the heart of Trinity Chippenham. Last week, uh, we started a short Sunday kind of message uh, series um, called Loving Like Jesus. And for last week, this week, and then in two weeks' time, we're focusing on one of our values as a church. So you'll see on this um, pull-up kind of sign, you'll see our vision statement at the top and then the three sort of driving values that as a church, as Trinity Chippenham, we want to, to know, to love, to own, and to look like. And we're looking at the second one. You can see there, loving one another. And loving one another comes from John 13, verse 34. Love one another just as I have loved you. And last week, Andy Cordell introduced us to that idea. He introduced us to the idea that there is, there's a wow to being loved by Jesus. Just those three words, I love you, 
is a great sentence to hear, isn't it? Isn't it true that all of us, kind of everybody, wherever they're from, whatever they're like, everybody travels through life looking for essentially someone to say those three words and mean them. Isn't that true? Isn't that why we just go through life? We want to hear those three words and we want the person saying them to mean them. I love you. And we heard last week, we hear really every week in Trinity, but we heard last week particularly that Jesus loves you. Wow. Wow. Jesus loves you. And in John chapter 13, Jesus says that that wow will transform you. That wow of being loved by him, that wow will transform you. That wow will look like something. And in chapter 13, Jesus had already defined what that love, what that wow looks like. So if you want to uh, grab your Bible on page 900, John chapter 13. This is the chapter that we're focusing on over these three messages last week, today, and as I said, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, by the time Jesus says those words, love one another as I have loved you, he'd already showed, he'd already defined what that love looks like because in verses 1 to 17 of John's Gospel, chapter 13, in verses 1 to 17, he's shown his disciples that loving one another means giving yourself as a servant. Loving one another means giving yourself as a servant. So John, chapter 13. It's dinner time on a Thursday night. But it's no ordinary Thursday night and it's no ordinary dinner. Jesus and his 12 disciples have been in Jerusalem since Sunday and it's rammed, packed full of people. Well, everyone is, everyone is in town for the Passover, which is probably the most important feast day of the year. It gets to Thursday, the disciples are, are hot and sweaty, tired and dusty, but they've made it to the highlight of the week, the Passover meal. This is really the centerpiece of this feast, of this party. It's where they remember and they celebrate when God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, back in the book of Exodus. And dinner is served. It's the best bit of the week. Dinner's ready, laid out. But you kind of have to imagine the scene. They didn't sit around, they didn't sit around tables like we would uh, do. It all was kind of be laid out on the floor. So you imagine the scene. You had these 13 guys kind of lying on the floor, faces in towards the food, obviously, because that's kind of the important part when you're eating. So they're kind of, kind of leaning on the floor, like on their, on their arm like this, put feet away, pointing into the food, waiting, I think, for someone to say grace. Because, you know, you should always wait for someone to say grace before you start uh, eating dinner, right? That's just polite. Um, But then one of them, one of the 13, pushes himself off the floor and he stands up. And it makes sense that that's Jesus because it's a special meal. So because it's a special meal on a special day, you need a special grace. And so Jesus is definitely the man for the job. So he stands up, everyone's kind of there, hands together, eyes closed, ready for grace. Except Jesus doesn't stay still. Jesus doesn't stand still. He, 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 he stands up, but he walks to the corner of the room. And everyone, you can imagine just their eyes fixed on Jesus and what he's doing. He's in the corner of the room. He takes off his jacket, rolls up his sleeves. He puts a towel around his waist. 
he pours water into a basin. And he carries it and he walks back to the group. He gets on his knees and he starts to wash his disciples' feet. Now, if you think that feet are gross now, and they are, imagine what feet would have been like back then, where everybody wore sandals and there were no power showers. Could you imagine? I mean, feet are horrible now, and we're quite clean. Imagine back then. Just horrendous. But there's Jesus, with a towel around his waist, one by one, foot by foot, wash, dry, next one, wash, dry. It moves around the group, one by one by one. And then he gets to Peter, Simon Peter, in verse 6. And Peter really reacts quite strongly to what Jesus is doing. He said, look, Jesus, there is no way, there is no way that you are washing my feet. Now, Peter didn't say that because he was ticklish. There was other, other things going on. Because in the first century, when this happened, foot washing was the most, it was the most demeaning act that anyone could do. It was the worst thing, the dirtiest thing that you could imagine anybody doing. Foot washing was just a no-no. It was something that was only suitable for the lowest, lowest servant. If you had a foreign slave, you got them to do it because they're like the least of the least. Washing feet was gross. It was horrible. Peers, friends, uh, friends wouldn't, wouldn't wash each other's feet because it was gross. Leaders certainly wouldn't wash their followers' feet. Now maybe, maybe um, if he was in like a super generous and kind mood, maybe if they were on their own, Peter would wash Jesus' feet. Jesus was the master, the teacher, the Lord. Maybe, maybe if Peter was feeling just so kind and no one else could see what he was doing, maybe he would sort of wash Jesus' feet. But here, on this Thursday night at Passover, Jesus, dressed as a servant, humiliated himself in front of people. He humiliated himself at the most important dinner of the year. Have a look at verses 6 and 7. Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Essentially, he's saying this, look, Peter, um, something's big, something bigger is going on. You don't get what's going on now, but in a few days, maybe a week, you'll understand what I'm doing. But now you don't really get what's happening. Well, Peter keeps talking. He, he, he proves, if we needed any proof, he proves that he really doesn't understand what's going on. In verse 8, Peter said to him, no, you shall never wash my feet. Never. Jesus, that isn't how this relationship works. I will not let you wash my feet. Now, it wasn't the first time that Peter had tried to correct Jesus. If you look back um, <clears throat> when you get home at Mark, Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, uh, they, they, Peter, Jesus and his disciples were having this conversation about who they thought Jesus really was. Like what Jesus says, well, who do you say I am? What's my identity? Like, who, who am I? And Peter stands up and he gets it right. He smashes it out of the park. He says, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are God's chosen king. 
And Jesus says, yes. Yeah, that's right, I am. And let me tell you about God's chosen king. This is why the Messiah comes. The Messiah will suffer. He will be arrested by the religious leaders. He will be killed. And after three days, he will rise again. And Peter jumps straight in. Straight away. I imagine it even before Jesus finishes that sentence. Peter is up and he's in Jesus' face. And he says, no way. Jesus, the Messiah does not die. You don't understand enough about the Messiah. That is not how this works. In John 13, Jesus, um, uh, Peter is really doing the same thing. This is not how this works, Jesus. This is not how this works. Verse 8, Peter said, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not just my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Okay, Jesus, you, you have to wash me? You have to wash me? Well, okay, hey, wash, wash everything. Wash everything I have, just, just wash me. You've got to admire Peter, don't you? You've got to sort of like him. I mean, he was, he was wrong 99% of the time, but man, he was keen. He was super keen. And I think at this point, Peter was maybe starting to realise that what Jesus was doing was more than just cleaning feet. If you have to clean me, okay, just give me everything. Verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? Probably not, Jesus, but um, carry on. You call me teacher and Lord... And you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Love one another just as I have loved you. The wow of being loved by Jesus looks like something. Loving one another for the disciples there and for us here today. Loving one another means giving yourself as a servant. Now, what is the 21st century equivalent of foot washing? I didn't bring any you know, bowls with, with water and, and soap and things, so I don't think the point is just to go around washing everyone's feet all the time. Thank goodness. Um, but like, what's the equivalent? What's Jesus kind of equating today with what he was doing in that room at that Passover? Well, I don't really know, I guess. I guess it's a lot of things. Um, I guess it's anything that a servant would do, I think. Anything that a servant would do. Um, Things that are messy. Things that go unacknowledged. Things even that go unnoticed. Um, Giving up your, your time your energy, uh, maybe your money for other people, maybe even risking your reputation to give yourself as a servant. Loving one another today for us, for literally you and me, loving one another means giving yourself as a servant. Man alive, that's hard, isn't it? I hope you were kind of thinking that, like, man, that is, that is tough. 
giving yourself to people who you like is hard enough, isn't it? Anyone with me on that? Yeah. Giving yourself to people that you like is hard enough. But Jesus didn't discriminate, and so we shouldn't either. So giving yourself to other people, not just that you like, not just sometimes, but giving yourself to one another that is in this room, that's hard. I want to tell you a little secret that there were two ways that I cope with challenges like that. Do you know what they are? Two things. Here we go. First thing, first option, first way that I deal with that kind of challenge is that I ignore it. Do the whole sort of close your eyes, fingers in your ears, la, 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 because it's just too hard. It's just too hard. Why should I bother doing something that, that, that is that hard? Life is hard enough as it is without giving yourself to other people. Seriously, it's just too hard. Why should I bother? I'm just going to look the other way to sort of keep your head down. Others are probably going to do it. If I've noticed something, um, then, look, I don't notice things very well. I'm like a boy, right? So if, I, if I've noticed it, someone else is bound to have noticed it. So I'll just keep my head down and I'll, you know, walk away. Didn't see anything and I'll leave someone else. That's obviously a problem, isn't it? That's obviously wrong. Jesus says later, uh, towards the end, and again, we saw this last week, John 13, even verse 35, Jesus says that people will know that we are his disciples when we love one another. People, as in each other, people out there that don't come to church, just people, everyone will know that Jesus' love is worth a wow when we give ourselves to each other as servants, when we love one another. So looking away and keeping your head down, it's not a very good option. But that's okay, because I've got two options. And the second one is this. I grip my teeth and I hold my nose. Do you know what that feels like? In, the thing is, right, in, <clears throat> in church world, um, in some circles anyway, I'm... I'm this is going to sound stupid. In, in, in some circles, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm quite respectable. Now, before you shout anything at me, um, it's obviously stupid to even like, think about that sentence. Comparing yourself to other people is nonsense. It's not a Christian thing to do. It's not a godly thing to do. Um, <clears throat> so, but that, with that being said, just in certain circles, kind of with some of the some of the jobs that I've had working with students, I teach the Bible, I preach even, kind of today I preach. So, I hear this challenge from Jesus, love one another, give yourself to one another, and I think, okay, well I'm obviously not a big deal, I'm kind of a big deal, so what I'm going to do, just like, you know, Princess Diana or someone, in spite of being quite respectable, in spite of knowing how to behave and, you know, dressing wellish, but in spite of who I am, in spite of that status that I maybe have in some, in some circles, I'll get on my knees and I'll serve. In spite of who I am, I'll go down, grit my teeth, hold my nose. Do you know what I'm saying, Zach? Does that make sense, um, what I'm saying there? Basically, I think it's horrendous when you say it out loud, but this is kind of how I work. I'm basically saying in that situation, I'm better than you, but I'll pretend I'm not. I'm better than you, but I'll do you a favour and I'll serve you. And you should feel quite lucky because I'm kind of a big deal. 
you, you know, you should feel lucky that I'm serving you. That, that's kind of how I work. I won't get you to put hands up, but maybe you know what that's like, what that feels like for you in, in this situation. In spite of who I am, well, I'll, I'll go and serve. That isn't what Jesus did. That's probably not surprising to you. That's what I do all the time. One of those two things. But that's not what Jesus did. If there is any love that we see in the world and in friends and in neighbours around us, if there's any love that we see, it always starts with, in spite of who I am, I'll show love or I'll do this or I'll do that. That's just normal. That's the air that we're breathing all around the place. In spite of who I am, I'll do this. But you know, that's not Jesus' love. In John chapter 13, there is no in spite of who I am. No one in John 13, no one grits their teeth and holds their nose except Judas. And we'll hear about him in a couple of weeks' time. Loving one another means giving yourself as a servant, but not in spite of who you are. Jesus did not get on the floor to wash his disciples' feet in spite of who he was. He humiliated himself. He went lower than any of his friends could imagine possible because of who he is. John gives us a glimpse of that in the beginning of the chapter that we skipped over. So John chapter 13 and verse 1 and 3 and 4. They'll be on the screen. You might not be able to read it, but let me read it out loud. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he'd come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. What made Jesus do what he did? He knew three things. Jesus knew three things. He knew, firstly, that his hour was coming. And what that means is that he knew that his death on the cross was imminent. He knew that it was coming the next day. He knew that his mission as the Messiah, as God's King, he knew that his mission was coming to a climax. He knew that his hour was coming. Secondly, he knew that his Father had given him all things. Particularly, I think, the authority to forgive, the authority to judge. He knew that his father had given him everything. And thirdly, he knew that he was soon going to go back to be home with his father. Three things that Jesus knew. In other words, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew who he was. His identity was anchored somewhere safe, somewhere outside that room with his 12 friends, somewhere outside the dinner his identity was anchored somewhere else. And it was anchored in his uh, relationship with his loving father. And that made all the difference in the world. Because he knew who he was, Jesus rose from dinner to drop to his knees and serve. Because he knew who he was, he got up and he dropped to give himself. And Jesus tells us, to do the same. Me and you. Loving one another means giving yourself as a servant because of who you are in Jesus. 
Love one another like Jesus loves one another because Jesus loves you. The humiliation of Jesus washing feet pointed forward just a few hours to the excruciating humiliation of Jesus being nailed to the cross for your sin. Jesus loves you. Jesus gave his everything for you because he loves you. He gave himself, he gave him his, his everything because of who he is. He's the king of the universe. He is loved by his father and so he gives himself as a servant. He cleans us by his blood because as he was hanging, a naked, beaten, nailed to a cross, that is the clearest, the clearest revelation of what his father's like. And you can track this, this uh, overflowing love. And it's just like a fountain. Even in this passage, it's just like a fountain. So imagine you've, you've got this fountain of love. Jesus received from his, his, his father. He received from his generous and self-giving father. So, therefore, he gave himself to us and for us. So we, therefore, generously give ourselves to each other. See how that works? The Father gives to Jesus, loves Jesus. Jesus loves us and gives himself for us. And so we love others and give ourselves for others. And that is what we want Trinity Chippenham to be like. That's exactly what we want Trinity to be like. I can give myself to others because Jesus has given himself to me. That's really the heart of what this series about this value, loving one another, means. I can give myself to you because Jesus loves me and has given himself to me. It's a reality that's true every single day in every situation. So what about when it is hard? What about when it is hard? What about when I don't want to be a servant, which, let's be honest, is pretty much all the time. Like, how do you do it? How do you do this? Even if you're with me so far and you agree that that is what Jesus is really saying, even if you agree that that's what Jesus is calling us to as people in this church, like, how do you do it? Well, when I feel like I'm looking the other way or when I feel like I want to look the other way, the answer isn't just to grip my teeth. That's not the challenge. If I feel like that first option is coming, I think, okay, I'm just going to turn away. If, I'm, if I feel myself starting to just turn my back or keep my head down, the answer isn't just, okay, I'm just going to grip my teeth and do it anyway. Because remember, that's, I'm better than you, but I'll pretend I'm not. That's the, the answer is not gritting your teeth. But what about if you're doing something you're giving yourself, you're serving someone in whatever kind of way, but you realise that you're gritting your teeth. You realise that you're holding your nose. Well, the answer isn't, well, just grit harder. Okay, this is really hard. Take a breath. Grit harder. That's not the answer either. There is an answer in that situation. And the answer is verse 8. John 13, 
verse 8. After Peter had said, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. That's the answer. When you feel like you want to turn your head or keep your head down, turn your back, when you feel like you're gritting your teeth in a hard situation, the answer is, remember John 13, verse 8. Know that you have, if you are a Christian, know that you have been washed clean by Jesus. Not just a little bit clean on, the, on your feet, but clean from the inside out. The only way in, the only way on, is for Jesus to have washed you. And that's it. Your identity, if you're a Christian, is anchored somewhere safe. Your identity is anchored somewhere outside of the room, outside of the situation that you find yourself in. Whatever situation, whatever day, your identity is safe somewhere else. It is safe in Jesus. Jesus really does love you. Do you mean to say that again? Jesus really does love you. He has rescued you from slavery. He has cleaned you by giving you his life. And the wow of that love will transform you. And if you don't feel wow at that love, don't keep your head down, don't grit your teeth, but you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I don't feel the wow today. Can you just remind me again? Go to a friend in the church and ask them to take you to Jesus and say, look, I don't really feel the wow today, but can you remind me that Jesus loves me? There is a wow of Jesus loving you and the wow will transform you. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. He says, love others like Jesus loves them because Jesus loves you. Just as we come to the end of this message, it's nice to be told what to do, isn't it? So you've, if you've kind of come with me so far on this journey through the foot washing story and you get to this whole, you know, love one another and, and give yourself to one another, all that kind of thing. It's nice to be told what to do. There were five things now let's go four things. They, all, they spell out love. L, do this, begin with L. O, do this. V, do this. That's how, like, it's nice to be told what to do, isn't it? It's nice to be told, okay, if you want to love someone, you do these things. You do this, you do that. But that's not really how it works. That's certainly not how it works in Trinity Chippenham. We're not really into that kind of thing. Loving one another doesn't really work like me telling you what it looks like. Loving one another serving one another, giving yourself to one another, I think is just meeting a need. It sounds simple. I think it's just meeting a need. Whatever, whatever the need is in front of you, to love that person, to give yourself to that person, it means meeting that need. And whether that's cleaning something, carrying something, driving someone, turning up to, someone, to, to, to a place, to a time, uh, whether it's giving someone a kind word, Maybe it's just listening and hugging someone. Whatever that giving or filling a need looks like, I think that's all it is. Just fulfill whatever need is in front of you. Now, of course, you need to be up for doing that. You need to be listening. You need to be giving time to people. 
you, you need to be in, in the family, so in kind of the family of, of the church. We can't work out what loving one another means on our own. Like, I can't go back to my house this evening and think, okay, I'm just going to on my own work out, okay, how can I love Trevor this week? I'll, I'll think of something. <clears throat> okay, how can I love this person this week? Like Trevor's ringing me. No, no, Trevor, just leave me alone. I'm trying to work out how to love you. Come on, just... That's just stupid, isn't it? That's, we can't work out what it means to love one another on our own. We need each other. I need you and you need me so we can work out, well, what does loving each other in a situation means? We need life group, as, as Trevor was saying earlier. We need life group on a Tuesday or a Thursday night. We need open house because we need to be around each other. We need this free to connect, which, which for us is just hanging out with anybody at any time, having people over for dinner, meeting people for coffee, just, just hanging out with people. We, we need those opportunities because we, we need to be with one another to know how to love one another. We need to be with one another. We need to, we need to love one another to know what it means to love one another. We need to like one another. We need to be together with each other. If you can meet someone's needs, just do it. Risk no one ever finding out. Because actually your Father in heaven knows and will know and what he thinks is much more important, isn't it? Just meet a need. Just listen and meet a need. And if you if you see there's a need, but you can't meet it, ask someone else. Trinity Chippenham is, is a team. We are a team. We are a team that's full of gifts, full of talents. And if someone has a need, and I don't know how to change oil in a car, well, I, know, I know people who can. If there's a need and I can't really bake a cake, well, I know people who can. If there's people who are, you know, just, there's people here and we're only going to know that if we know each other. So coming on Sundays with that open, open heart to say, okay, I want to meet, there's people I've never really spoken to. Okay, Lord, I want to speak to them and I want, to, want you to show me if they have a need that I can meet. Come to life group, ha- just hang out for coffee, invite people over for dinner, just, just hang out with people. Just give yourself to people, but don't serve people with gritted teeth. We want to be. We don't want to be. Uh, we don't want to be a church that serves people in spite of who we are. Really, in spite of who we think I am or we think we are. We don't want to be a church that does the in spite of kind of service. It's always going to be tempting to look the other way. It's always going to be tempting to keep your head down. It's always tempting to think, well, there's going to be someone else that will do it. And actually, to be fair to us as a church, there probably will be other people uh, that do it because, because this is something which I think we do really, really well. Many of, uh, of, of you love and give and serve each other so well. I've been the beneficiary of that from so many of you in lots of different ways. But that's not, we don't want to be a church that just leaves it to everybody else. In every situation, in every conversation, your identity is anchored somewhere safe. Your identity is safe outside of that room, outside of that conversation. Your identity is safe because Jesus loves you. 
Jesus loves you. You are safe in him. So loving one another means giving yourself as a servant because of who you are in Jesus. All you need is love. His love is all you need. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for the the wow of the truth, the fact, the reality that you love us. Thank you that Jesus loves us, but we thank you, Father, that you love us too, and you love us even as you love your son, Jesus. And that is mind-blowing, that's heart-exploding. Father, we admit that that, uh, we don't feel that wow every day. Maybe we don't even feel it every week. Maybe we haven't felt that wow for, for months. I pray, Father, that this afternoon, even here, that we would know your love for us again, or for the first time. I pray that our hearts would be beating faster because you love us and that because you love us because Jesus has loved us and given himself for us we can give ourselves to other people with no with no reward no praise no respect no anything I pray that that's the kind of church we would be I pray that's the kind of people we'd be and I pray Father that that's the kind of person I would be that I would serve and give myself to these people here around me because you love me. Amen.